Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. I so appreciate it when you take time out of your day to join me here at Fashion Talks. Today, my guest is George Sully. And George is many, many things. He is a designer. He's an entrepreneur. He's an activist. He is the creator of the Black Designers of Canada, but he has also been a designer in his own right for over 20 years. And that's something we're going to talk about a lot is what it's like to be a part of the industry for so long, but feel like you've been invisible within it for so long as well. George is a force of nature. Let's get straight to the conversation. George Sully, I am so excited to have you here today. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So there, There is like so many prongs on the wheel of your life that I want to dig into. But before we get specific, I want to pull back. Tell us a little bit of your story. Tell us a little bit about George Sully. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get here? Um, I grew up in a small little place, west side of uh, west side of Ottawa, called Bayshore. Um, five. We call we used to call it the five dirty districts. This is these five district housings. That's literally what we called it. And five, like just five districts of public housing jammed together. And I lived in a project called Penny. Which is pretty infamous now, which is really crazy. Now that I now that I hear about what's happening in Penny is pretty crazy because we didn't have gun violence. It was drugs and it was abuse and there was a lot of mental health issues. There was a lot of other things growing up and seeing that and just drugs, more drugs, more drugs and and, and abuse than mm-hmm. violence, firearm violence. But now that's all that there is. It's uh, people can't leave their homes and people can't leave their houses in Penny, which is really sad, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it. I can't, you know, fix everything, but I'm looking at these things because this is where I'm from. Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, a family of six, mom, dad, uh, I have uh, two brothers and a sister, um, the youngest. And, uh, ah. I think the whole, yeah, I think that the whole arc of us as a family is that, uh, my mom was, we we're all creatives. So my mother is seamstress, uh, painter, sculptor. My father was a uh, illustrator, um, a jewelry designer, jewelry maker. Um, my brother, sculptor, uh, freehand, crazy freehand. My brother, again, uh, artist, creative. My sister, voiceover artist. Myself, multifaceted man of all these types of things because I was able to just, I was able to just harness all these things for my family. So it's just kind of like, um, that's where I think I get like my tough skin. I, I get these things that just are helping me man- like manage and navigate these things in fashion, especially in our country. Absolutely. And where did you, how did you, how did you leave there? Did you go to design school? Did you just head to Toronto with, you know, good a dream question. in a bag? Like- <laughs> yeah, pretty cool, kind of close. And, and you could just leave the school aspect completely out of it because I've always, I've been self-taught. And, and when I say self-taught, it's just kind of like, again, going back to my family, I didn't understand that everybody didn't do everything because I felt that I was able to do everything. And it's just kind of like, it was just came so easy to me. And I'm just like, when I went outside of my house to live my life as a teenager, I'm just like, well, Hey, you know, wow, you must've really been, you're really good at doing that because like, that's really, really cool. No, I didn't do that. I got it shipped somewhere else. And then they do it, what they do it. Like what you didn't do the photography or you didn't do the, the, the production or you didn't do the thing. And I'm like, no, 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 George. 
there's people to do things. I don't, I'm a designer, yes, but I don't do anything. I'm like, shit, weird, so weird. And I, that was my whole thing. I'm just like, I know how to do these things. I've watched my parents do it. I've watched my mom. So I've watched my dad, you know, uh, with all these tools to do uh, jewelry making and fixing. And the, he was like the local jewelry fixer, you know, my chains broke again. And it's like, he, you know, mend it. And in in our basement, like, you know, he would have his office and his, his nice, you know, his nice little atelier in our basement. And my mom would have hers upstairs taking over pieces of the living room with her sewing machines and all her other creative stuff. And she was a caterer as well. And so we'd eat really well. So we like we'd get we'd eat all of course all the Scott, you know, she'd give a big order to do a party, a Haitian party, I'm Haitian, a big Haitian party. But of course we'd always eat good because we'd always have, you know, anyways. Um, needless to say, it's just kind of like I've never thought I was without. And to be going to school for this is just kind of it's like I never it never came into my mind. I always just kind of was savvy with the tools around me. And I'm just kind of like the hustle in me was more kind of how do I I know how to do the basics of this. How do I get into this? Oh, you need Illustrator. Oh, you need Photoshop. You need the Photoshop suite. Oh, the, okay. With Photoshop, I can do X, Y, Z. So I can do all the vector. I can do all the Photoshop Frankensteins of whatever product I'm doing. Um, then I can lay it out in, 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 in a booklet. Wow. These are, okay, cool. Okay. So then I taught myself that. It's like, did you go to school to learn graphic? No, I just taught myself graphic design because I had the passion and, and just the drive in me to want to execute and wanted to deliver something just for the creative sake, right? Was fashion always the dream? I can't say it was always the dream because it was just instilled in us from the get-go all the time. And I think fashion to us came because of preservation. It came to defend ourselves. It came as in, you're in the schoolyard. You better be wearing something to not get made fun of because already you're black in a place of white children and or mix of whatever. But at the time I was the only black student in my classes. So to, to, to not forget assimilating, it was just to be better. You had, you know, they say you have to be twice as good and we have to be twice as absolutely. And so I'm like, you know what, because I had an older brother, then my sister, then my brother, Al, then me, I was able to see the arc of what I could take from the tree to make sure that I can be self self preservation at school. And it's just kind of like we shopped that Salvation Army. My parents were, you know, like, you know, you know, were frugal with their monies. I mean, we were on the welfare system. So it's kind of like drawing from this. But Salvation Army, you can never see a bad pictures of us in our, our in our high school pictures. You can never see a bad look of us because we are always outshining and out delivering simply because of preservation. So fashion came to me out of a sense of having to be the best looker, even if it was Salvation Army, like even if our suits didn't make any sense, like the pants didn't come with the upper cause like, you know, Salvation Army, you can't get a, a, a full suit, you know, you can't get a full suit at, you know, for grade three, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, and, but these are the things, these are the values that was instilled in me. So fashion was always part not high school. I knew the, the, the if I couldn't afford the shoes, I, I, wor I worked out to get them. And I worked out to get the clothes because I knew that, like, I was always all best dressed. I was being told I was the best dressed since I was in grade two. Is the there teachers an, Georgia. Uh, get, is there an outfit? Because it's a perfect segue into something I always love to talk to everyone about, which is I think all of us who are lucky enough to work in fashion, certainly True. who love fashion, we have a moment in our lives where we realize that clothing, this thing we call fashion, we 
know it means something more than just protecting our body from sunburn and getting wet. Do you have a moment, do you remember what you were wearing, maybe on the schoolyard where you kind of had that like domino click, click, click of, okay, this, this is something I I I can use. Well, you know what, like, to be honest, I think it's, it's just, it's just, it's been always so ingrained into me and my family that it's almost like people caught up with us because it's, my brother was bringing Michael Jackson. He was bringing all these stars, all these pop stars. He was bringing rock and roll into, into the pipeline. And I was feeding it. It went through like a filter, right? It filtered through my sister, to my brother, to me. So by the time it came to me, it was pure, right? right. It was pure style. It was pure fashion. I was the youngest. I had a loud mouth and I was the smallest. And of course, the, the smallest always a loud mouth because like, you know, my brother could come kick your ass and you know, my brother's going to beat you up. So that mentality, so I always, so the older I got, I was, because of the filter, I was molded into cool before I knew it, it, it had to, like it was, it was a thing to be. I was already cool before I even knew it was a thing to be. So then by the time all the kids in school were saying, this is the, I was already it. So then I was already placed at the forefront being a black kid, but being that cool kid. And luckily into high school, all of a sudden, the changing of rock and roll and the meshing of skater, skaters and rock and roll yeah. and fashion and hip hop started to mesh. So all of a sudden I walked into something that I already owned and I never even knew I did. I never, I never understood that I was already cool with that filter coming from my older brother six years from me. I hear, I hear it like fueling you. Like it was, it was a little bit armor, but it was, it was giving you energy. It, like it was it giving you to. light. Because it, it had to, because guess what? If you were the opposite of that, then you were getting bullied for the color of your skin for the, maybe if you were awkward, if you were X, Y, Z, you were getting bullied for that factor. So if you didn't again, kill or be killed, especially the times when again, no cameras, then there was no X, Y, Z. Like you were really on your own. There was a really, you were your own proof to manifest wherever that you were doing and your own proof of existence. So this is kind of like the best way forward was to, oh, of course it was a rush because I knew that I was always fighting a war of my identity, of, of, of my skin tone and what, who in the room is going to look at me and not see the coolness and going to see that, oh, you're just a nigger. You're, you're just that, like, get what? Why is he even here? Why is he at the party? Why is he at the, why is he at the playground? Why is he at these places? And it's just kind of like, this is where my thick skin comes from because it's kind of like, I was with the filter. We use the, 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 the filtering of, of what I was getting in from the rest of the world was already coming from the top, my older brother to protect myself and being able to navigate this world that is cruel and it sucks to a lot of people. Um, you know, and so on and so forth. So I think that that's where, you know, um, I've, that energy comes from. And you need that energy because something has to fuel you. I, I know that Michael Jordan, they always said, or, or if you watched uh, the, the Last Dance, they always said that he always chose an enemy, even though he didn't have one, because it fueled him into that passion that came out on the court. Like he needed that. And some, most of the times they weren't his enemies. It's just, he just chose somebody for the night that just really had, would really get a bad night and he would make them an enemy. And I always, I always loved that. And people, when people saw the last dance, they're like, George, that's you. Because it's kind of like, there's always an enemy, even though Canada, nobody's going to call you out for really anything. Like we're, we're, we are very nicely and soft in that, in that way, where we're very kind, whatever's going on in the back of our minds, we're not going to blurt out and say, I hate you. You suck. But for me, it's just kind of like I've always had that for fuel. So if 
if the school going to school knowing that I might get it called a name or getting attacked, getting whatnot, the clothing on me manifested the armor, the clothing on me and the attitude and the swag and the walk. We always had it. Um, I, I've archived everything that I've, that, that I've, that like even myself and my photos and my pictures. And as I am growing, I've never had an awkward moment because guess what? I might've not had, maybe we can go to a mental health. Maybe I might not have the opportunity to be awkward and just to just let whatever out come out of, 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 of who I wanted to be or whatever it is. Maybe we have to go deep into the roots of, of, of that. But to, to, to be honest, I've always had that armor of that swag and that thing to, 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 to bowl through this, this and to navigate this thing that we are now understanding that there is a lot of trauma and there is a lot of things and a lot of PTSDs and things that we are hiding in this armor. But I've always felt cool. And, and, and I, I've always known myself and I've always been confident with myself and I've always had that, but that comes from my family. That armor, whether I, whether or not I, 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 I understood it, what it was actually really for, really manifested itself from the protection and uh, the, uh, the, the, the crucibles and my mom building that armor with every tacky suit that she put me in taking pictures. Oh, yeah. I, can, I can hear how that could be part of the the, the fuel that you used to throw on the Black Designers of Canada fire yes. when you were creating yeah. that. And I had the pleasure of hearing you speak at the 15% event at the Hudson Bay. And you talked about the importance of that being a ledger. Yes. Talk a little it's, bit more about that, because that really, I, that, that's such an important, it's not just a database. Yeah. I, I, it's, 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 it's very it's very important because without account, people can go around and say that the reason why you are not getting opportunity is not because of the abundance or not because of the lack of, it's just because you are not fit for the gig or for the part or to be put into our stores and so on and so forth. It's easy to say, well, there's only a few of you, there's only maybe 10 of you. So maybe, maybe it's not the fact that there's a problem in Canada in fashion and inclusivity. Maybe the problem out of the 10 we see that we know exist, they don't fit my store's identity. They don't fit my the aesthetics of what we're trying to do. And I call bullshit, but how do you call bullshit without having the proof? Well, you need a ledger. You need a count of us. You need a count of designers to say, you know what? Like, at least if you don't come knocking on the door, well, then you have to look at all these faces first. You have to literally look and see that, wow, there's over 300 designers Oh man, because I used to say that it was only 10. So that got me out of some really sticky conversations with black designers that would come knocking at my door. Now I can't have that conversation or I can't have that excuse because I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And it's not just 300 athleisure designers. There's modern contemporary, there's haute couture, there's uh, ready to wear, there is conceptual, there's, you know, all the things all the things and even graphic designers are on there too software design graphic design and um, interior design as well what you're seeing is excellence manifested in a place that is easy to go through and and that just again takes that conversation right out the window which is very important when i'm sitting here fighting to get onboarded uh with stores and so on and so forth so yeah What's what was some of the feedback like? I want to talk about that onboarding on at, in stores a little bit because you've had you've been designing for what twenty years? 
Yeah, so, so I don't want to date myself because if I'm I, only I know you will we'll keep we'll keep we'll keep the actual numbers. So. Like, sure, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and and you, uh, you you talk about your legacy brands, which yeah. is something I want to get into a little bit because I think the idea of legacy is so elastic, and yeah. that you reference those legacy brands. Well, let's start there. Like, why do you think it's important to keep like, you know, Sully Wong? In yeah. the in the conversation still, like talk a little bit about that brand and what that your experience is a great, was with this it. This is a great question. I'm glad you brought it up because it's it's a legacy that was manifested in darkness. You need to know what I was doing and what I was shut out of, even though it was premium and even though it was at, at, at the pinnacle of what we were creating, nobody was onboarding us and nobody was taking on this stuff. So then- Is bring, that what you, you know, mean by the darkness? Talk a little bit more. What do you mean by you were designing in the dark? Um, uh, designing in the dark, um, I am I am in the midst of writing a book right now, which I'm sure we'll talk about on the next podcast because it's still on the hush hush, but like um, the, the concept of designing in the dark is, is getting used to not being celebrated but yet mastering designing and, and working by yourself, working with no allies or working with no retailers and, and, and reordering and working with no press, immediate press. Like the minute you drop something, they're at your door, normally for the ones that we've always watched around us, our colleagues, white and other you know, denominations. And knowing that not only are we helping those white and or others, we are not getting that same reciprocal, like it's not being reciprocated back to us. So, but getting used to it and almost making excuses for the fashion industry, why maybe we're not good enough. Maybe we are not ready. But the thing is, is that when you, when you, when you design in the dark for so long, you, you, you forget the, you forget these, uh, these, the, these, these, you forget the foundation of really who you are and that you are strong and that the excellence is there. You start quite second guessing yourself and, right. We are getting too good at that, and we've gotten too good at that. By the time you, by the time um, you know the BLM and the movement started to really manifest itself around the country and around the world, people started looking at different things that are hmm, maybe that's wrong over there, or maybe that's wrong over there, and then it's just kind of like, oh yeah, us, and it's kind of like, oh shit, okay, if they're really barking or if they're really saying there's something wrong, let's dig into it and find out, because it'll be a good story either either or. It's either we dig into it and we find out that they're amazing and the excellence is exactly what they're talking about, or we can kill two birds with one stone and dig in, finally give them the opportunity to prove themselves wrong. And that, you know what, we actually dug in and all of you guys suck. So there you go. We can close the chapter. <laughs> we can close the chapter of fashion forever and we can go back to business as usual. But when they dug in, they're like, oh shit. And then, oh, and then George, this George Sully guy, actually man he met he actually helped them out because he helped us out because he just opened up the pandora's box of so many more designers that were ready with excellence so then talking about um you know like uh we we uh your question was um like we, you were talking about designing in the dark but let's talk about sully wong like why a legacy brand it was important for people to understand how much we've been fighting and how much we've been designing in the dark. Because if you missed these things of me, if you missed Lim Apparel, where every celebrity, American and Canadian were wearing, I wasn't being onboarded. I had the inventory. I was able to buy a home off money that I earned in Germany from the Germans. It's, like, it's, it's not that I, I wasn't ready for the moment because I was being carried in certain places. 
there's no way that um, athletes world would have ever taken me in if I wasn't ready for the moment. So where was the industry? The consumers were there, but where was the overall arc of the industry to say, wow, George is the only kid, person of color at that, doing these numbers, doing this type of volume 16 to 20 years ago. That's the difference. That's the proof. So then you need to know where I started and what I was actually doing to really give you the proof of why I'm talking of and what I'm saying today. Because what I'm basically saying is that I wasn't let into a door that I should have easily been let into for the last 20 years. And if you're only seeing me now, I didn't really change much. I mean, at Athletes World 16 years ago, the sign the signage said Athletes World Premium Collections. They made that sign for me. So if they're using premium 20 years ago and you're only understanding that I'm doing premium now, no, I've always been doing premium. It's just who's letting me in to tell my story or not. And now I have the proof of basically saying, let me bring these legacy brands out of the dark. I could have moved on. And the failure wasn't because I failed. It's because I'm trying to tell you that these were never a failure. It was an, oppor- it was an opportunity lost in the industry saying, because I, I, and that's why I keep it up. And I'm not afraid to show my old production. How am I crazy? Any designer would tell you that they will, they're scared to show you any drawings of 10 years back. And I'm here celebrating brands that I've created between 2003 and 2018. And I'm not afraid. And I'm showing you actual images. I literally drug up some images of Lim Apparel 20 years in the making. And I put I posted them on Instagram. And what, what do you think I got back in return? I got this. This is brilliant. How are you making shoes 20 years ago? Like, I'm still just trying to wrap myself around any who's not Nike, New Balance, or Reebok making shoes, or Puma, and you were doing that 20 years ago and not being celebrated and, and, and not be giving, be giving these places of opportunity to rise, I, I get it, designing in the dark. I get it now. And because I don't want you to only get it, I want you to be satisfied that I brought proof. Because that's what we always have to do, right? be twice as good, bring the twice, three times the proof, uh, three times the dots checked and the T's and the I's crossed and the dots and the T's and the I's and the cross. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, you better bring that because if you don't, you'll get the arrows, but I've never gotten arrows because you know what? I've always been transparent and saying, hey, here's my arc, but here's the proof behind it. You can believe me or just watch the pictures. So there's the ledger of the numbers. There's the paradigm shift perspectively that's happening. And then it's getting through the door to sit at the table at the buyer's meetings. Yes. Yes. So there's George Sully, the activist. There's George Sully, the entrepreneur. There's George Sully, the fashion designer. There's George Sully, the accessory (laughs) designer. We're going to, you know, dad and husband and friend and son. (laughs) Like that is a lot of identity swirling around in one person. What's the weight? What's the weight of that like some days? Man, you have all the great questions. Donna has always all the great questions. Um, It is a great question. And it's one of those things that fortunately and unfortunately, we were given these things. I didn't ask for it. Could I have just been a creator? Absolutely. If the it was even playing field. I don't want to be any other thing than a creative that creates these really cool things. I just 
created fashion clothing because I thought I was really good at it. And I was, but I wasn't given the chance. So then because of my creativeness and my family background, I pivoted to something else, keeping that in the safety belt. Cause I'm like, you never lose fashion creation. You never lose that drive. Let me just park it right here in the belt. And let me just move on to videography, photography, all these beautiful things that I love because I've manifested everything from these elements that I've always used. Jack of all trades, master of none is better than a master of one. And that's the thing. That's been the, that, that was the whole quote, but nobody uses the whole quote. But the whole mm-hmm. quote is better than a master of one. And the thing is, is that like only now am I being celebrated from being a multidisciplinarian designer or multimedia designer because before that word was invented and crafted to acknowledge these great things that you could have in your armor or in your in your artillery, it was you're a scatterbrain. You do too much. I never understood that because my family, that's how we operated. And that's how I've been able to navigate independently of anybody for all of this time. I'm being celebrated now for because everybody wants to be a multidisciplinary designer. Everybody uses it in their, in their titling now. Everybody wants to be that person. I literally am that person because of opportunities missed and lost. And I said, you know what? Let me pivot and let me just try a new shining object because I'm that good. Let me a new shining object because like I'm like, I, I, I love photography. Let me show you what I have my photography. Let me sew up a chair. Let me do home furniture. I've been doing home furniture forever in a day, not literally hammering the nails into the wood and into wrapping the leather against it. But I, I appreciate the artisans around this country that do it for me. And I know what I like. I know what I want. My, 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 my home looks like a collection of my own simply because I've been doing that forever. But will you know that? Will you give me the opportunity to show you that? That's a different story. And how do I even know that's because I'm one watching my parents refix furniture for their all their lives because they could never afford to buy something new. So they'd replace it, not replace it, but just fix it. And just a little sandpaper and some shellac and, you know, some good, you know, some good, uh, you know, some good um, staining. And you're, you're back to you're back to a beautiful table. Right. All things that I've learned and all things that I've manifested simply because so all of these things that I do now, it's, it's celebrated, but it wasn't always that way. And but I'm and people are asking me as a consultation to say, George, man, I lost my one job that I did really well for 20 years and AI is here and replaced me. It's only AI has only been around for like three months and it's already replacing people's jobs forever and ever more. And so it's just kind of like they're asking me now all of a sudden I was a scatterbrain and now I'm like, wow, to be able to pivot. And do what I and, and and manifest and do what I love and bring it back together. Wow, like what what a great concept. I've always had to by force live in this concept in this bubble. And um, you know, well, and I bet uh, people come to you asking your opinion on a whole lot of things. Cause something I'm thinking as I'm hearing you talk is your like tank of intrinsic motivation is full <laughs> and unwavering. And that is a yeah, blessing man. from like, you know there would be a whole other podcast where we get into, you know, the neuroplasticity and the foundation of how that happened, but the fact is it just is. So you've had a well within you to draw on to say like, yeah, I'm designing in the dark, but like there is, there is light at the end of that darkness. You must talk to so many designers who say, George, like, I don't, I don't have that inside me. Like what, what am I supposed to be doing to like crack through what do, yeah. what do you say when you when you're asked that yeah uh again another great question and i think it's it's hard because it's 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 in you first right 
the energy and the strength has to come within because you're already battling the tides of the tides that you didn't ask for. If you ask my, 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 you know, they say, they ask you, if you ask your young self, what would you tell your young self? I always say, I would tell my young self, nothing. I would tell my young self, you were good. You were ready to go. You've always had what you needed to manifest your future for your future, future children. Unfortunately, you're going to come into a wall that you won't be able to climb simply because you didn't invent it. It's a wall that's going to be made there for you simply for no reason because you're not ready. It's because they just don't want you to succeed. And then imagine telling your young self that. So telling the strength has to come from within because when you're told that or if I told my young self that I would still find a rope, I still find a ladder. That's my own personal take on, on, on how I on how I deal with these things. Telling a designer that doesn't have that, it's heartbreaking because them not having that is them either going to to the extremes of, of, of self-sabotage or suicides, even as going as far as that, going to as far as depression, going to as far as the bankruptcy, all these things, because there really is a mental health element and aspect to this. Absolutely. Am I happy le joie de vivre? I have the joie de vivre because naturally that it's it that's in my core. My family's given me that. But if you don't have that family to give you that, then it is hard. And having these conversations is always hard. Like I always go into saying, hey, you know what I mean? Like, where are you at? How's your finances? How's your money? How's your this? Can you last? Or or just or like continue because there's there's is light at the end of the tunnel, and the light has only manifested itself in the last three, four years. So hold on. Because at this point, when you stick your hand out for opportunity, you might just catch something where before it was crickets. But stick your hand out now and drive a little bit of that last energy that you might have left in the tank to get these opportunities now, even if it's performative, even if it's uh, uh, trying to check a box. Because every corporation and uh, you know and in, in in the galaxy right now is trying to rewrite something, maybe not of the kindness of their hearts, but simply because of either the dollar or because they have to make it right or they'll get canceled. There's so many aspects of these things, but you have to look over that and say, excellence will come, and when it does, that's when they'll put down their checkbook or their check mark, you know, and they'll be like, you know what? Wow, I, I to be honest. I really hired this person because I had to check a box. But wow, what I got in results. I got excellence. And wow, do you have friends? Do you have brothers and sisters? <laughs> you know, like, and the excellence will prove itself. Even if it's a performative move, I've never not given something, whether it was performative or for the fact that I'm good and ready. I've showed it both ways. I've showed it excellence when when you knew that it had you, you had it coming. And I've showed excellence when it was like, damn, we really didn't know what we were really jumping into. We knew we had to do something. I, I mean, I've gotten apologies. I've gotten apologies. What's that like? like uh, well, it's it's the two things, right? It's 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 the well, to be honest, it's like I always knew. And I'm just happy that we're having a conversation and you're admitting to things that I've always known. And the thing is that like, I could always see it, but you know, everybody else couldn't see it. And it was kind of my word against the others that like I, whose problem, you know, really, really was it, was it mine or was it theirs? Or you're just thinking, imagining this in your head and being apologized to it's, it's a feeling of good because I knew it. So let's move forward because now that we know if there's a problem in the room, we can solve a problem in the room now that we're all admitting to it. Right. So good. And then the tears and I cry and I go yeah. to the bathroom. Not that night, I'm like, 
And does that move things forward? Like, I think the apology is kind of an interesting thing because that's a very personal interaction for something that we're talking about as an industry problem. Absolutely. But in Canada, with our 30 million, we really know each other. Like, it doesn't take very much, especially like we're talking about Toronto. I mean, this is going to go all over the country, but it's even worse in, 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 um, in, in, in uh, Alberta. Yeah. Because it's like this. Yeah. So communities get black, smaller, they get less diverse. Could you imagine if you're a black designer in Alberta? Everybody will know who you are. That's what sucks when you're not getting onboarding. You're the only designer in Alberta not getting onboarded because you're black and you're the only, you know, you know you're the only black designer. You know you are. And then you're not getting onboarded. So that there, there's not there's actually no gray area. That really sucks for you. In Toronto, okay, well then it's the same thing because we're a small country, but everybody knows each other. So it's kind of it's not hard to to know who's doing what and who's not doing what. And and and, and we know the balance of power. It's kind of like I can name the 10 people that the power is balanced on, whether it's right or wrong, that these people are in power for fashion in our country. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like these are the things that 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 are apparent to me that it's just kind of it's 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 easy said what's going on. And it's better that we have these conversations and it's better that we just out it because right, I just outed it right now. There's a balance of power out there. We all know who they are. And. Everybody who's watching this, what are you doing about it? Because there's only a few of you guys, really. And there's only 30 million. And if you break down the demographics and the age groups and the whatever, 30 million goes into 10, goes into 5 million, and the three people who care. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's... Totally. Would your life be easier as a designer if you lived in the States? Um, Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. But yes, <laughs> like yeah. it's, 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 it's numbers. It's a numbers game. You could throw an idea in a pond and catch 50,000 out of the, you know, like there's 30 million in California, state of California to our 30 million in all of our country. Yeah. So if you throw a pebble in California, you will catch a good week in sales. You'll catch a good, no matter what you do, because I like, to be honest, it's kind of like, I, I, no, I won't even say it, but like, I don't need more controversy. I'm already black, right? <laughs> I'm already black, Donna. I'm already black. But, no, um, like there's already in, in, in California and, and, or in other major cities, it's, it's, it's easier to have an idea and get it out there. Yes, there's, um, there's so much other things at play. In, in, in America and the violence and the things. And like, you can just say I'm walking on the street and I might get caught up in a, like, doesn't matter where you are at this point, whether it's Rodeo Drive, you know what I mean? I'm very familiar of and, or kind of the Bronx, which I'm also familiar of. I got family in Brooklyn. I got, you know, I, I have peoples everywhere. So it's kind of like, it's, but it's different. There, there's rules too. There's uh, to this as well. For the person who's doing something really well, there's a, a, a litany of others doing the things really well too. You're not just a, like you know, I, I have this like mat, like this trick that I use every time. It always works in a small room, but then when you go to America, then it's just like oh my god. Like uh, an example, really quickly, um, trade shows. 
Um, you're from a small town. Uh, you're in Miss you're from Mississauga. You're from Brampton. You think you're the greatest designer. People in Brampton love you. You're the greatest designer. You're the greatest designer in downtown. You do all the runway shows, but then you have this particular style and design that you love. And then you finally get invited to your first trade show in New York at Liberty Fairs. And then you you hit the floor. And literally, what they do at Liberty Fairs is they take all the brands that you didn't know look like you, and they put them in a section. So oh my. your style that you were signature for in Toronto when everybody bought your stuff and you're the, the you're the guy of the week. Now, unbeknownst to you, they put you in this section. And when you set up your, le- your little booth, you realize there's 300 rows going that way and 300 going that way. And they say, you know, uh, lumberjacks, yeah. <laughs> Lumber, lumberjack, you know, fisherman cap. You know, plaid plaid shirt, shirt. (laughs) skinny jeans, and the thing. And you realize, wow, there's 300 guys that are me. You didn't know you had competition until you actually hit the big floor, until you hit America. And this is what America does. So it's not about where you're from. Oh, made in Canada. I made it with, I sewed it with maple syrup. Um, I sewed it with unicorns in crisp. There are no unicorns in Canada, George. I know, I know, I know, I know. But there's a lot of hockey skates. So like, you know, I sewed it with hockey skates and then I brought it to America. They don't give a shit where it's from. It's the bottom line. It's the bottom dollar. How much is it made? Because if you, if, if, if you tell me the wrong number of where it's made, then, uh, or how, or sorry, the the margins I'm going to get on it. And what, what, if you give me the wrong number, I'm going to go to the booth beside you. Cause there's, there's your, there's your, there's your, um, uh, your, uh, doppelganger right beside you yeah and then if he doesn't have the right price i'm gonna go 20 rows down because they put you all in the same place and you realize how small you are that's and a really that's discouraging situation to kind of like pull pull absolutely. yourself out of absolutely you're this small actually you were this big in your city you're really this small so what really what what gets you again i know for myself I remember a friend told, told me when I went my first trade show, he goes, there's two things that are going to happen to you in a trade show. You're either going to excel and see the opportunity in the, in the, in the mass, or you're going to cry. And you're going to take your little samples. And you're going to go home and never come back. And those two things are going to happen to you. And that, that really, for me, I'm just like, because doing so much in such a small space, that's how I got so many Americans on my, on my brand, Lim Apparel. Because I took that chance and I saw big, America big. And if you have the tenacity to go up to that person and say, this is my brand, this is what I do, I'm not taking no for an answer, and it right out of my backpack. Man, that embroidery is really cool. Like, like that 3D embroidery that I was doing, you know, 15 years ago to like kids trying to do it now. And I'm like, oh, poor guy. Who was first? You know, I was first. Um, all these things like, it really shows, it, it, it just really shows it has to start here. So again, going back to telling these designers and whatever, whatnot, it starts here. And if you have any energy left, there's opportunities that are coming in this new, in this new tapestry of things. And like, I know we're going around in a little bit of circles, but it's well, just Well, I think that energy, you. that energy must get fueled by community. Yes. Like, like, tell me about the community that the ledger that is Black Designers of Canada has created? Because well, that to me is such sure. an important part of how it fits in the lexicon of the fashion industry. Yeah, yeah the community is important. And I think a lot of us in the community 
didn't know we actually existed as a community. Not the not a true community, a commerce, a go get them. Like there's an opportunity here, and like you know what I mean. Like it's great to be known in the in the Caribbean Bugle Sunday newspaper. That's great, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. But we are not in the Caribbean. We are in Canada, and the demographics are changed. We are a minority. We are a world majority but we are a Canadian minority. So it's just kind of like, what are you doing? And I said to myself, I'm just like, that's great to be this, but the Caribbean bugle will not be enough because it's just, we're speaking to each other now and where commerce is in our, in our, in our Canadian tapestry that we've all should have had equal footing in. That's where the money is. And that's where I want to be. And I want to be in every bodega. I want to be everywhere like everybody else. If Herschel could be sold at Holt Renfrew, Hudson's Bay, Harry Rosen, and then not being diminished because they're in every bodega you could find, they literally cram Herschel in every orifice of every store in the planet of the God's Earth, and it's okay. Widespread, yep. And it's okay. Some stores will be like, we don't want you here because you're carried here. Wait a second. We can't carry you only because hmm, you're carried there. Mm-hmm. And if that mm-hmm. poor designer only has two stores, what does that tell you? It tells you that they're just trying to ice you out. They just don't want you, but they're finding more excuses to ice you out because there's some people that carry the same quality, same style in every from high end to low end to side. I'm trying to find the balance and I'm trying to find that for 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 other people. I was going to say, like, are you finding it for everybody? Like, you're kind of the, like, anointed, we were talking about, you know, <laughs> George Sully, the Zamboni driver that is, like, smoothing the rink of opportunity for so many brands. Like, Man, man, I, I love you using that analogy because it's slow going. It's fixing the cracks. It's making it a smoother path for others that come behind me, absolutely. Does it work for everybody? Some people have to get over the trauma of being turned down and finally being finally being, finally being, being aware of that, oh my God, the government just actually admitted to systemic racism. Oh my God, there's the, there it is right there, Eureka, oh my God, finally. But some aren't ready for the moment after that. Some are still seething with just hate of the process and the bullshit and all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's a hard balance because absolutely, am I the person who just decided, hey, nothing is going on over here. You're not, not wanting to like, you like your position where you actually are. So you don't want to ruffle the feathers. You're black and you're just enjoying the ride. You're black and you're angry. You're black and you're just, nah, that's just Canada. And I'm black and I'm like, I have to feed a family and I'm a businessman and I have seats. I have the rights to this table. Hey, I've built tables, Black Designers of Canada, but at the same time, I want to be invited to tables that I helped build in the first place. That's my miter work or my mom's miter work on that table. And that's my dad sanding and my brother's shellacking on that table. And for all this time, I've never been invited to a table that we've helped build. So I'm not going to light that table on fire. I'm going to maybe replace some parts, scale it for inclusion, and get to it while I'm building other tables as well. But you best believe that there's a lot of Black people in different places in their lives and in different attitudes about what is happening here. But all I do is say, hey, hold on a second. 
You live in Canada. I live in Canada. It seems like you're not leaving and neither am I. So these tools that were that were promised to everybody, equally indigenous, Indian, Chinese, black, white, others, them, he's, she's, they's, those. If it was promised to everyone equally, then I am here for it. And I'm going to call out what I see and then hope they, 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 they say, you know what? Here's a chance for us to prove either you were either wrong or we were actually wrong and we're actually going to make things right. So it's going to be it's going to be fucking sad times. And voting was what was built. Voting came in blood. Mm-hmm. So so is this going to come in blood? Corporations are going to do some are going to fuck up a lot. Trying to do the right things are going to fuck up a lot. And but that's OK, because voting fucked up a lot. We had to use the American black Americans had to use jelly beans. And how many jelly beans are in these jar? And if you could if you could pick how many jelly beans, how many the number of jelly beans in this jar, you could vote. Well, evolution is 50. a process, not a one take, right? Absolutely. That was 50, only 50 years ago. That's insane. So here we are now, and it's gonna it's going to not be the most most correctest thing that is happening, but it has to happen. And we have to look at these retailers and look at these stores or look at our online or look at our demographic, whatever how you sell. I don't care whether you're in a retail store or not. It's just if you want to be where you want to be, at least have the opportunities to present and get told no, respectively, you suck or you're great, but we can't or all these things or you are fanta- fantastic and we'll put you on every shelf everywhere. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. Not everybody. I, I've become that person, but I am not going to be the one to tell you that I'm going to bite back on something that like I'm not going to light my fire. I'm not going to light the table on fire that I belong on or around and I'm not lighting it on fire. And I implore and I tell every, and I change a lot of minds when I have conversations, I change a lot of minds because there's an anger there. And I'm just like, do you want to eat or do three jobs and do this as part-time because it doesn't look like in your promos and on your Instagram that this is part-time. So secretly you're working at the gasoline station, but then you're a designer. How about being a designer full-time? And if you're a designer full-time, then present yourself to these buyers that I'm making room to make sure that you get a chance to present to, because trust me, they will be wrong if they do not choose you because that guy who's working at the gasoline station, who has a, a wicked, who's a brilliant designer. I'm trying to get these brilliant designers to get out of themselves and present themselves. And they'll be surprised how a starting order, a test order is a hundred thousand dollars. Circle that back around, quit your job and become a designer full time. I'm still trying to get people to get to that place. And those that are at that place, I'm onboarding. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to name any names, but I can tell you that I, I, there, there's a brand who's gone from 5,000 to a hundred thousand dollar POs through me because of me. And I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm not going to try, you can take a horse to water, you can't force them all to drink, but yeah. But the ones that I really believe in are, are the ones that I'll talk, I'll talk into, uh, into a paper bag until like, because I'm like, no, you, you, as long as you understand what I'm trying to tell you, you're going to eat. And now we're talking about legacies. We're building these legacies for the first time. We're building something that people could see in the future when you're gone. I want to be able to create something and know that People will see it forward. And that's why circle back around Lim Apparel, Sully Wong, Chad Magazine, these things that I built as initially legacy. 
I'm bringing them back to give them another light to show you how talented of a designer, multifaceted, multidisciplinary designer that I really am. And the proof is there. What are this what are some of the most exciting things that you've seen happen? You know, I think of the 15% pledge and everything that Aura James yeah. has done, but what are some yeah. of the other things where you're like, that's moving the needle, like that's firing me up? I as a whole, just seeing stores open up past February, past the times. Because it always at, at, during the BLM thing, it, like it was okay. Let's actually use February. Okay, okay. We acknowledge February. Yeah. And Black History Month. Things. Excellent. Black, Check. Black History Month. Because before it was literally just, oh, thank God, we could do a little promo and then call it a day and move back to regular operations fashion in March for sure. Thank God. And then, then it became, we're gonna change the way the Black Kids are thing, and we are going to start here start here, but not finish in March. We're going to start and then move this motion forward into the rest of the year. And then year two, it went from February to March, April, May. Fizzle a little bit into, you know, hey guys, you know, it's March now and I'm still black. Yeah. It's July and wow, I'm catching a really good color in the sun. Like, and year three and four, and it's starting to manifest where real, real things that are manifesting are starting to really work itself out throughout the year. And you know how hard, because there, there was no bar, there was no level, there was nothing to it. There was, nobody was doing absolutely anything, to be honest. We're only 30 million people in Canada, remember? And only 10 million people care, and then only 5 million people react, and then only, so then we know the players, we know everybody, and everybody knows everybody. So it's kind of like, it's easy to monitor and see who's really doing what for fashion and or, and just general and thing, and who's not. Television, press, everybody, like nobody is doing the greatest job still. Nobody. But there's a push to the... the, the, the. Press are dying or hurting too, like, a, like you know, traditional yeah. press and te television. Yeah. They're dying, they're dying out. So like, they're asking for money from anybody. It's just kind of like... They're they're doing they're doing their own thing to survive. State of flux across State so flux many everywhere. Industries. So I'm like I'm like nobody's doing nobody's ever done. That's the thing. Like we could use that as an excuse, but they weren't doing it when it was cool time in it either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when they had all the time and the energy, they weren't doing it then. They're not doing it now. But some brands that they're definitely lifting because they're getting payola, and then they're doing things. So okay, whatever. Um, but needless to say, it's happening a little bit more, where you're you're trying to see foundations being laid and you're starting to see companies really being like, Hey, the, the, our bottom line has gone up like, like an arc we've mm -hmm. kept going. And so is our money keeping going. And that's, I love that because you know what? It just proves again, excellence is actually not just a, a, a buzz term. It's actually turning into real tangible commerce tokens, money, you know what well, I mean? It's Levels. an industry. It's a business. Like the money has business. to speak, right? It, the money has to speak and it's actually speaking. And everyone's actually going, oh, this is pretty cool. This is this is this is pretty cool. I can stick to this. You know what I mean? And like, uh, you know, my best friends are black now. That's <laughs> what they're saying, Donna. Don't tell them. This is what they're all saying, man. We're the coolest things. No, no, I'm just um, but like before it's, it's, you go, George, I have a couple of yeah. questions just as as we sure. as we start to wrap up. Sure. What do you want? Because I feel like sometimes when we have these conversations, we talk in very industry terms. Yeah. What do you want? 
speak to the consumers, speak, speak to the people who are listening, who are like, I don't live, I don't work in fashion. I like clothes. Yeah. What, what do you want them to sort of take away and absorb and understand about what's going on? I think everybody has gotten a little bit of a lesson that we are more than the few. And it's just kind of like that we are premium designers and so on and so forth. I could show you a premium sneaker all day long, but if you never knew it existed in the first place, you're not going to seek it out, even though you're looking to buy black or buy BIPOC or do these things to kind of help. I mean, like you're changing, you've changed how you drink your milk. You've changed how your sheets, the linens you use. You've changed all these things that are just non-race orientated stuff. And it's just kind of like, but you're falling into, hey, man, you know what I mean? With the you know shoes I want to wear made out of pineapple. I want to buy black. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just kind of like it, it's. I want to tell them that it's just kind of like one. There's plenty of us that fit your all day long. That mm-hmm. should do volume. That's another thing. It's just kind of like I know for me, there's a lot of maybe sneaker designers, but they're more cobblers or they they make one at a time. I do volume, and you can actually find me in major stores. And it's just kind of like I'm I'm trying to make that for a lot more designers that you can find and give at, get access so then you can actually participate and actually buy. But we are in a digital space, so online is available as well. You can't, it's not as tangible to, to hold and feel in touch, but once again, it's just telling those consumers that are not in the, the proverbial, you know, uh, crucible of the madness that is the, that is the war. Just be, pay attention like you pay attention to the new soap that you use. You know what I mean? Like you change mm-hmm. your soap, you change all these things and you know what? Just just use that same energy to go into fashion and different designers. Not all designers can afford the hundreds of thousands to convert to sustainability tomorrow. Yeah. Nike still doesn't do it as much. Neither does Puma. And then the shoes, the Celine shoes that you're rocking right now, mm. they don't do it either. So it's Kaimiri, doesn't it? <laughs> At Prada. Oh, my God, Prada. Mm. So I, I can go through the, the litany of, of people mm. who don't do it yet, but you're still participating in buying. Mm-hmm. And... I say just, hey, there's a place that you can go to dig in and to inquire more about black designers and BIPOC designers in general. And and just be just be aware, like you're aware of, uh, you know what I mean? Your diaper, your, your diaper that you use for your child. Or your, yeah, be curious. That's, that's what I could have said in like 10 seconds. <laughs> that's what you're here for. So George, what lights you up? Before we get to like, because I want to know like what's on the horizon for George yeah. and we're going to talk yeah. about like links below sure. and stuff like that. But what's lighting you up right now? Uh, what's lighting me up is the energy. The energy is different. And I have to say that because it can't be all just sad song and violins and all that other stuff. There's an energy. I feel it. It's manifesting itself and I'm spreading it and people are spreading it for me. And I'm getting some help. You know what I mean? And it's a beautiful thing that there's a different energy. It's not the, it's not the February's of old. Forget like, let's not even cancel February. If I'm not going to cancel February as long as it's a starting point for a lot of brands wanting to come in to help. And it's a starter point for the rest of the year and then the years to come. So let's not look at it as a, as a February time to, to, to just celebrate and then give up. It's a, let's make it a starting point, only starting point and continue. And that's, this is the energy that I'm talking about. Like, we're, we are in where we're in what we're in May, right? Yes. We're in May. So, wow. February, March, April, May. Wow. We're still talking about it. This is, see, this is the energy that I'm talking about. And it's probably going to air maybe later on in the summer. So this is what I'm talking about, carrying it forward and carrying these, these attitudes and these conversations. And if people want to like find out more about you, about the Black Designers of Canada, we'll link everything in the show notes, but where can people follow along and shop? and learn 
and get a little George Sully in their oh, life? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, first and foremost, Instagram, um, real George Sully has a link tree that has the connections to everything and everything that I do, uh, right down to my son's YouTube channel, which I'm going to promote right now. He's lying on, right on my ear. He's, he's, he's only four, but he's still giving me the eye saying Adrian's Atlas YouTube, his own channel. Amazing. He's doing big numbers. Forget his daddy. Um, the last, actually his last post, to be honest, 2.5 million uh, views on Instagram. Uh, creator in the making. 400,000 likes on this last post. Anyways, I'm just saying he's bigger and better than his daddy. But anyways, uh, needless to say, George Sully, a real George Sully, and georgesully.com. GeorgeSully.com is just kind of like it's a nice another place where you can kind of go and it kind of branches you off to the other things that I do. And we'll link everything down below. And what's coming up next for you, George? What are you excited um, about there, that's on the horizon or that things. you're working I with? Some, I have some collaborations in the pipeline, um, Flying Squirrel collaborations, eBay collaborations. Uh, they're coming back for more, um, uh, doing collaborations and just working with students. Um, uh, the TDSB, uh, like I'm working with different types of really unique schools that have been put in front of me where I'm helping, uh, BIPOC, uh, indigenous, um, black youth and just supporting and just uplifting and doing that stuff, um, as well coming up. And, um, I do have a really major, 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 major collaboration with Hudson's Bay separated from, uh, House of Hyla and Sully and Son. Uh, it's more of a signature George Sully project that I'm working with Hudson's Bay with. It's a long-term thing, which is really exciting. Uh, we'll definitely tell you more on the on the re-up. On stay the, tuned. Uh, the next time, so stay tuned to that. And uh, aside from that, living life, Hyla, shouts out to Hyla and uh, Adrian. And we have a new a new one coming, a baby boy is coming. The new drop is in August. You know what so I mean? The new drop. You know, limited edition drop always, you know what I mean? He's coming, he's coming strong. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. So, George Sully, you are a force of nature. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always glad to be here with you. Bye. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me here on Fashion Talks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends, your family, on your networks. It would mean the world to me. Fashion Talks is done in partnership with the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards. You can find out more about them at CAFA Awards, C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S on Instagram. This episode was produced by Jason Perrier. You can find him on Instagram at a Jason Perrier. You can follow the pod at Fashion Talks Pod, and you can follow me at this is Donna B, all of us on Instagram. I hope you will join us again next week. Thank you so much and have a great day.